0: we need. We think we need this, or we think we want this, but let me just tell you, our bodies, our souls, our minds, they can't really tell us what we want and what we need. And even if we think we know what we want, it may not actually be what we truly want. We have an idea about, well, I just need my my parents' relationship fixed, or I need this relationship fixed, or I need this problem solved, but God knows what you really need. And let me just tell you something. He is famous for giving something to you that you need in a package you may not want. But in a society and in a culture that is so driven by what you want, it is hard to conform our life to something different. It's hard to conform our life to something contrary. Because this whole, all of, and again, This is common to not just America, but specifically this generation. The media is centered around you. It's about what you want to see. It's about what you want to happen. And that can be a dangerous thing, a dangerous perspective that we adopt. Seeing things and getting things our way and the way we want them. The kingdom of God doesn't operate along those lines. The kingdom of God operates His way. And it's not just because he's the best, although he is, it's because he knows best. Amen. And we've got to start learning how to conform to that way. Not our way, but his way. Can you say amen? amen. And I think when, we, when we, we, we analyze our relationships with God and how we're going to move forward and if we're going to advance, it's not determined by performance, See, God loves you and values you above your performance. And sometimes we just think that Jesus chose the qualified and he chose people who were perfect. And we look at our examples like Paul, he was amazing. And John, he was amazing. But let me just tell you something. When Jesus first called his disciples unto unto himself, they were not perfect. In fact, they were the farthest thing from it. See, God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for willingness. The missing link between potential and greatness is willingness. Let me read you a couple stories tonight. If you have your Bibles with you, or even if you don't, let me just read this story to you in Matthew. In chapter 4 it says this. I'm going to read it out of the message tonight says, walking along the beach of Lake Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who was later called Peter, and Andrew. And they were fishing and throwing their nets into the lake. And it was their regular work. Other translations say it was their regular way of life. And Jesus said to them, Come with me, and I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. And this was Peter and Andrew's response. They didn't ask questions, but they simply dropped their nets and followed. These were Jesus' disciples. Now, these were not common men. When Jesus called them out, they were pretty common. But you look at their legacy, you look at history and what it records for us to see. And these were Jesus' 12 closest people to his side. How many want to be close to Jesus? How many want to be considered one of the closest people to Jesus you possibly can? That the world has ever heard of? There were only 12 that were close to Jesus. There are billions of people in the world. Even back then, so many people, yet only 12. Jesus chose to keep by his side closer than any other. Now, Jesus wanted more than that. Did you know that? Jesus had 12, but he wanted more. He even went after more, and eventually he got himself to the point where he had 70 to 72 disciples. But eventually that number dwindled down again. But he had 12 people and they were close to him. And it had nothing to do with their former stature. It had nothing to do with their performance and what they did or what their past was like or what their present was like. The only thing that determined their closeness with God was their willingness. And God only looked at what was ahead. Jesus only looked at their future. And you can read in this too, he calls them out again. Two different people said, so a short distance down the beach, they came to another pair of brothers, James and John, Zebedee's sons. And these two were sitting in a boat with their father, mending their fish nets. Jesus made the same offer to them. See, this thing, it's not required, it's not mandatory, it's not an obligation, it's an invitation. It's just an invitation. Jesus will not impose his will on you, yet the lackadaisical Christian wishes he would. Jesus requires a response. See, it's not just about, okay, God, I'm ready for you to do what you want to do, just do whatever you want to do, and you have your way, and this and that. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, you need to let me have my way. It's about willingness. And Jesus made the same offer to them, and they were just as quick to follow abandoning their boat and their father. You have to understand, these people, even, even Peter would say, he's like, oh Lord, depart from me for I am a sinful man. These were worldly people. Okay, yes, they were Jews and that's all fine. But they were still, they had sin, they were worldly, they weren't perfect. Yet God chose them. Why? Because he wants to choose all of us but the only ones that get to stick with them are the ones who are willing enough just to say yes to Jesus. There's another example I want to read to you, and it's about Matthew. How many have heard of Matthew? Raise your hand. How many know anything about Matthew? What was his occupation? What was his job? Tax collector. Let me paint a picture for you about Matthew's life. Matthew, also known as Levi, he was a Jew, okay? And if you guys know anything about about the Jews and the Roman Empire, is they were against each other. The Jews were just subject to the Roman government. And they didn't like it. Okay? Matthew was a Jewish tax collector, but he wasn't collecting taxes for the church or for the Jewish community. He was collecting taxes for the Roman government. And if you're a Jew, and and then you're Roman or a Roman government, you don't get along. You don't like each other. Basically, the Jews were in a sense, a newer version form of slavery to the Roman government. And so here it is, you have this Jew who is collecting taxes for the Roman government. Okay? Now, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. Listen to this. Matthew 9, 9 says this. And Jesus passed on from where he was, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting in the tax collector's office. And he said to him, Be my disciple, side with my party, and follow me. And Matthew rose and followed him. You have to understand this, and you're going to see multiple scriptures if you read each account in each gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, about this story of Matthew. Matthew. Jesus' disciples who he had already gathered, which are four of the mention that we already talked about tonight, they didn't like that Jesus was trying to recruit Matthew. Why? Because they didn't like Matthew very much. Matthew was a Jew collecting taxes for the enemy. Let me put this in our modern day illustration. Let's imagine the youth pastor who leads you, your youth pastor who preaches the Bible to you, Your youth pastor who looks up to you, or that, sorry, that you look up to and that you love greatly, what if you found out about your youth pastor that he was not just a youth pastor, but as his side job, he was raising money and fundraising for ISIS to accomplish their agenda? How many know what ISIS is? Raise your hand. Okay, good terrorist group attacking christians number one agenda is to get rid of christians to torture to threat to create fear their number one agenda is to be against christians now how many of you the youth pastor that you love and adore and look up to and who preaches the word of god to you okay you find out as a side job he's raising funds for isis to kill more christians how many of you would still look up to and admire that youth pastor Now imagine right now if you knew that about him and it was true about him. If Jesus walked in this room and said, youth pastor so-and-so, I want you to follow me. We'd all probably have a religious hissy fit. Like, Jesus, you don't know what he's done. You don't know what he's done. You don't know what he's doing. Do you know what he's doing? See, the Jewish community, they all knew about God. They had that culture of God and Christianity always surrounding them, built within them. And yet Jesus didn't care about what Matthew was doing. He cared about what he was going to do. He said to Matthew, you have an opportunity right now to change the course of your life and I can change it for the better. And Matthew responded, yes. He said yes. And he got up and he walked with Jesus for the rest of Jesus' life. Another example that I can think about is Moses. I don't know if you guys know this about Moses. We always view him as this great and mighty warrior and this amazing man of God that God chose and that he used. But you have to understand something about Moses is he wasn't perfect either. We think he was perfect, but he wasn't. You want to know what Moses was? He was a guy who had a speech impediment. And you want to know what? That speech impediment made Moses very insecure. Not only that, but Moses was a murderer. He killed a man. Do you know that even after he killed that man, God called him out? It was after the fact of all the mistakes. See, sometimes we're trying to manhandle our own salvation. We're trying to say, no, I'm not worthy. No, I'm not good enough. No, I can't be that. I I have this and I have this and I have that. No, no, no. You can't consider all of those things. And the reason we can't consider those things is because Jesus doesn't. Our past is erased. Our mistakes are erased. All that matters now is what you're going to do in the present and what you're going to do in the future. One more example for you on this side of things, and his name is Gideon. How many have heard of Gideon? God called him to lead an army. Okay, I need the smallest kid in this place that's not a baby. <laughs> Who's small? You look tiny, but you're a girl. I need a, I need a guy. You're kind of tiny. Okay, you can come up. You're kind of tiny. Mark. What's your name? Mark. Mark. That's a good name. Matthew, Mark, Luke, that's John. My Matthew. Whoa. Where's your other two brothers? Where's Luke and John? Is there Luke and John in here? Anyone? Maybe I have brothers you don't know about in this place. Okay, everybody, we're going to war with Mark here, okay? How many feel, don't give me the religious response, don't you dare. How many feel so confident in Mark's ability to lead us into a victorious battle? Okay, a few of you. Maybe the youth group, maybe youth pastor, someone who knows you. The majority of you are not raising your hand. Are you offended? They don't really believe in you. It's kind of short, kind of scrawny. I'm kind of open. Cute little freckles. You don't necessarily look like a warrior. You're in a it's okay. You'll grow into it. Well, maybe. Um, I'm. I just turned 30, like, a week ago, and I still look like I'm 16. So what I said isn't necessarily true. I'm still working on growing into it. I mean, I can't even grow a beard. I mean, really? I mean... It's like a God thing, right? Every man's supposed to have a beard. I got jipped. <laughs> Want to know where he gave all my facial hair to? All, okay, every man's supposed to have a beard, right? Everyone's supposed to have facial hair. I, I, or Every guy is supposed to have facial hair. Some girls who aren't supposed to have facial hair have facial hair. <laughs> he took all my facial hair, and he gave it to this guy. <laughs> he stole my beard, and I'm still offended by it. No, I'm just kidding. Not many of us would be confident in this guy? to lead us into a victorious battle. Yet at the same time, just like Gideon, God called him anyway. Gideon goes on to argue with God and say, I'm the smallest in my tribe. I'm not a big person. I'm not that type of warrior. He was considering himself in the natural. Gideon, according to the word, was small, unimportant, and seemingly insignificant. If that's exactly the kind of person that God is looking for. And maybe you feel that way about yourself tonight. Maybe you find your, think of yourself as, well, I'm not that important. I'm not that big of a deal. I'm pretty insignificant. Can I tell you something tonight? God wants you. In all of your natural insignificance, no matter how small, little, or unimportant you think you are, You're the most important thing according to him. Mark, thank you. I'm going to call you Gideon the rest of the weekend. Everyone give Mark a hand. Some of you are walking into this weekend and you're thinking, okay, and and you're here and you're ready and you want to dive all in. You have a desire to, but yet there's something holding you back. Let me tell you something. If you read in Ephesians, and you read in Romans, and you read in the New Testament, it says very clearly that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from it. It talks about angels, and demons, and people persecuting, and, and executioners killing you for your faith. Nothing can separate you from God's love. So you don't separate you from God's love. See, God wasn't looking for perfection. He was looking for willingness. And I think that's the key to greatness when it comes to this weekend. Every single one of you in here have great potential. Every single one of you. But without willingness, that potential will never turn into greatness. Why? Because greatness lies within a relationship with Jesus. Let's look at a few more people tonight. One thing I love about Peter is even after he had been following Jesus for a significant period of time, he continued to make silly and foolish mistakes. How many can list some of Peter's mistakes? Um, He cut off the ear of a soldier in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus wasn't even resisting his own arrest. He denied Jesus three times. And that was a hefty thing that Peter had to deal with. There was a lot of guilt. There was a lot of weightiness and heaviness that he had to deal with. But guess what? He never stopped trying. And some of you tonight, maybe you're not fully acknowledging Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you haven't been with your life. Maybe your life has looked like Peter. Or maybe you don't say it with your words, but the actions that you choose to take literally deny what you say, what you believe. Can I tell you something? Jesus is still here to come to your rescue. Because Jesus never forsook Peter. And even when Peter forsook Jesus, Jesus never left him. In fact, Jesus went after him all the more. Went after him to give him a second chance. Now, these are people who are imperfect yet willing. And God used them and chose them and they had the closest relationship with Jesus. Now let's look at a few other people who were definitely more perfect than the people Jesus chose to be as disciples, yet didn't have a relationship with God. In Luke chapter 9, let's read this together. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. You can just look at it on the screens. I want to read this to you. To me, this is an amazing story. Luke chapter 9, and we'll begin in verse 57. And it occurred that as they were going along the road, a man said to Him, Lord, I will follow You wherever You go. And Jesus told him, Foxes have lurking holes, and the birds have the air, and have roosts and nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay His head. And he said to another, Jesus speaking to another man, saying, Become my disciple and side with my party and accompany me. But he replied, Lord, permit me first to go and bury and await the death of my father. But Jesus said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and publish abroad throughout all the regions of the kingdom of God. You know what I find amazing about the story that is very often overlooked? That this man responded to Jesus' invitation by saying, Lord, let me go do this first. He acknowledged him as Lord. The very fact that is very easily overlooked. We think, oh, well, he just didn't know about God. He was lost. He wasn't saved. He no, 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 no. You don't say Lord if you have no idea about those things. And he said, Lord, let me go do this. And Jesus said, no. Now, how many think it's a legitimate request to say, let me go bury my father that's about to die? A legitimate request, right? See, Jesus knew what he needed above what he thought he did. He thought, that's important to me. That's what I need to go do. But Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Can you imagine in our churches today? If a pastor said, hey, I need you to come serve me. Come be my assistant. And the person says, well, my dad is fixing to die. Please let me go bury him. And the pastor says to the person he just said to become his assistant, say, no, you come with me. Let the dead bury the dead. I guarantee you'd be on every news channel for a month. (laughs) Wouldn't you? Like, that's ridiculous. You can't say that. It's exactly what Jesus said. Why? Because he knew what he needed and he knew the motive of this man's heart. This man did not become a follower of Jesus. Let's go ahead and and keep reading. In verse 60 it says, But Jesus said to him, Allow the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and publish abroad throughout all the regions of the kingdom of God. 61, Another also said, I will follow you, Lord. Again, another acknowledgement of Lord. How many of you have acknowledged Jesus as Lord before? Can You put your hands down. Now, you don't have to answer this question. Now, how many of you know you're supposed to be following Him after you called Him Lord? But yet, you're trying, and it's not working, and you're struggling in your relationship with God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, and become your disciple and side with your party. But let me first say goodbye to those at my home. Okay, now this was just a little bit more of a casual request. Let me just go say goodbye to my family. Listen to Jesus' response. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things behind him is fit for the kingdom of God. Some of you tonight, you're too busy looking at your past. Some of you tonight, you're still remorsing over your mistakes and your failures. What this scripture is saying is no man can move forward while looking behind him. You really can't. You can't be looking this way and walk this way. It's not going to turn out very well. You can't walk your path in the right way. And I love what the message says in Luke 9.61. The other said, I'm ready to follow you, Master, but first excuse me while I get things straightened out at home. Now many of you tonight are like the first man he called out and said... He said, well, okay, let me go bury my father first. And some of you tonight are ready and willing to dive in and move forward in your relationship with God. You've been waiting for days, weeks, months maybe for this event because you know it's a propel moment. You know it's a propelling event that will push you forward in your relationship with God. But some of you are still like, okay, well, let me take care of my sin first. Some of you are just like that man whose father was dying and he wanted to go bury his father. like, wait, let me... And you're saying, let me go bury my sin first. Jesus already did that. You don't have to do a thing. All you have to do is say yes and be willing. Maybe some of you are in here and you're thinking, I don't have that many mistakes and that... I don't understand. Like, that's not me. I'm not in that category. Well, how about this one? There was a young man who was a rich, young ruler. And Jesus was, Jesus was having this conversation with him. And, he, and this man, this rich, young ruler, was asking Jesus, what is it that I still lack? What am I doing wrong? Because he was looking for more. Just like many of you are looking for more tonight. He's looking for more. And Jesus said, okay, well, just follow the Ten Commandments and obey those Ten Commandments. This is what you need to do. And he said, you know what, Jesus? I've followed the Ten Commandments since I was a youth. He's saying, I've done all that. I've done the religious duties. And so Jesus gives him the real answer he needs. And he says, go and sell all you have and give it away. Give it to the poor and then come and follow me. Some of you have been saved a long time. Some of you have known God, been in church, raised in church, followed the Ten Commandments, never strayed far away, yet have always lacked one crucial ingredient to relationship with God, and it's heart commitment. Just because our actions are committed does not mean our hearts are. And there's a major difference between the two. Let me say these last few things to you. I know it's getting late. I know you guys were traveling, probably had school today. I know it's been a long day, but how many know that this is more important than those things that are behind us? This is what you came for, right? Let me tell this to you. So there were good, reputable people, and there were sinful and corrupt people, but only those who were willing to respond and say yes to Jesus actually got to have a relationship with Him. See, too often we would rather have a relationship with a thing or that thing or this thing and then just have a connection with God. That's exactly what the rich young ruler had. He had a connection with God, a connection with the things of God, but he didn't have a relationship with God. Especially in our modern day culture and in our society, connections are now more important than relationships, Connections and associations now have greater value in life than meaningful relationships. We have connections with people, but we have relationships with our phones. Whoever has the most part of your time is who you have a relationship with. We've become inhuman, and in fact, relationships have replaced, been replaced with connections. Connections don't require intimacy. Relationships do. A lot of people want a connection with God, but not necessarily a relationship because a relationship requires intimacy. And part of intimacy that you cannot get away from is vulnerability. Saying, God, here I am with all my mistakes, my imperfect self, and guess what? I'll tell you this tonight. You care more about that than He does. Want to know how I know that? Because He doesn't care about it at all. He just cares about you. Doesn't care about your mistakes, doesn't care about your issues, doesn't care about what's happened here or there. All he cares about is you and your future. He didn't, came, he didn't just come to fix your past, he came to give you a future. That's what Jeremiah 29, 11 is all about. He didn't say, I came here to fix your past and to fix that. No, no. He says, I came here to give you a hope and a future. He's interested in your future. But as long as we're still stuck in the past, we can't move forward into the future that he has for us. And that future includes greatness. And all this takes is saying, okay, yes, Lord, I'll let go of all that. I'll let go. Guess what? Peter knew he had all this junk going on. Matthew knew that he was not very well liked, that he was a worldly and sinful man. But he cared more about this, this person loves me and he wants me to come follow him, I'll gladly leave that behind. Don't you want to gladly leave everything that you came here with behind? You just leave it behind you. You say, forget it. I don't need that. I don't want that. All that matters is what's in front of me. All that matters is what's ahead of me. All that matters is Jesus. Let me finish this tonight. Connections with other things or people, connections don't require commitment. Relationships do. You see, relationships require sacrifices. And how do I know that? Because the number one thing that relationships have to be built on is love. And in the Bible, it says that no greater love has any man than this, that he would lay down his life for his brother. What does that mean? God requires you to be willing, but then also to be committed. Committed beyond your own failures. You have to be more committed to him than what you can do or than what you've done. That's that's all that mattered. It didn't matter to Jesus that Peter made a mistake. Right? All that mattered was that Peter, I'm telling you, he was committed. Even if he made a mistake, how do I know he was committed? Because he never quit. Never quitting proves that you're committed. Can you say amen? Amen. Jesus called people out from all different sorts of life, different categories of people. So I'm asking you tonight to find out what category you're in. Are you the one who's grew up in the church? Never really strayed far away, but is still lacking the depth of a true relationship with God. Maybe you've been connected with Him all throughout your life. But I'm telling you, relationship is deeper than a connection. We have to move forward. We have to understand what it is to be in a relationship, what a relationship is truly like. My most prized relationship on this earth is with this woman right here. You're like, wait, that woman married a 16-year-old? Yeah, you betcha. (laughs) This is my most valued relationship. And let me tell you something. How much would you love me if I had no commitment to you whatsoever? Probably not very much. Still would. You still would. That's the right answer. It is the right answer. You're ruining this object lesson. No, I'm just kidding. If I wasn't committed to her, it wouldn't be much of a relationship. Now, Jesus is committed to us no matter what. Thank you for so aptly demonstrating that. He's committed to us no matter what. But what creates value and depth in our relationship with God is when our commitment meets His. His. That creates something real. That creates something that's not a duty. Christianity is not a social status. With all this junk on social media, I'm telling you, I'm on social media. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great. But everything in life has been become about connections and social status. The only social status I'm concerned about is that of what Jesus thinks of me. And when you start to become so bent on forget what you were or who you are and step into what He has for you, your entire life changes. But it's learning to be genuine in our relationship with God, saying, you know what? I'm not perfect. And me or Lacey or anyone you see up here tonight, we can tell you that we're not up here preaching because we've been perfected by our own merit. We're up here doing what God told us to do because we're willing and we said yes. Just because we're up here does not make us perfect. Mistakes happen often enough to the point of where I'm grateful for them because it shows me how much I need Him. Be more committed to Jesus than you are to your mistakes or your way and at that point, it's then and only then that you'll see advancement in your relationship with God. And not just this weekend, but you'll see advancement all throughout your life. Every week, every month, over every year, you'll start to see a progression. instead of a lake invasion, back receding to where we were. That's not commitment. That's a tryout. Commitment is taking this weekend and you staying committed to Jesus as a result of it after this weekend is over. And that's all Jesus is looking for It's for you to be willing enough to say yes even if you mess up. You just keep coming back and saying yes, yes, yes. We need to say yes to Jesus no matter what happens in this life, no matter what we do. Amen? Do you have something? With every head bowed and with every eye closed, let's do this tonight. I believe God is so good And he's so rich in mercy. But God's so rich in his mercy, despite all else, no matter where we are, he wants to move us forward. It's called unqualified promotion. And if this is you tonight, no matter what kind of category you're in, maybe I pinpointed your category tonight, maybe I didn't, but if you're here saying, not in a vague way, but a very genuine, detailed way of saying, God, I want you to have all of me, no matter what, and you're saying yes to Jesus, and you're saying, yes, I'm willing Maybe you're in here tonight and maybe there's a category that I haven't necessarily covered. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never been saved before. or Maybe you haven't been a Christian. Or maybe you have, but you haven't entirely committed. Or you need to recommit. I'm telling you, committing to Jesus is what sets you up for promotion. It's what sets you up for growth. It's what sets you up for advancement. And if this is you tonight saying in one way or the other, I wanna be more committed to Jesus than I am to my own mistakes. And first and foremost, I wanna be willing, and I say yes to Jesus, if that's you, then I just want you to raise your hand tonight. Nobody looking around. Just between you and God, and you're not not telling me this. You're telling God this, you're saying right here, right now, like yes, I wanna open myself up to God. Yes, I see these hands all over. If this is you, again, God is always calling. God is always beckoning gently, kindly, politely, saying, come further with me. Come deeper with me. And I'm telling you, you got to plumb the depths. (laughs) you got to dive all the way in because it's then you'll see the greatness of God active and operative in your life. Is there anybody else who needs to raise their hand tonight saying yes? Because I'm telling you, Let me tell you this. Those who have your hands raised, you can go ahead and put them down for right now. Let me tell you this. When Jesus makes a call out, in order for his call out to manifest itself in your life, you have to respond. Every single person that decided to follow Jesus had a response. You saw the the fishermen. You saw Peter and Andrew. You saw James and John, and, and, and they said, okay, yes, we'll do it. They dropped everything, and they got up, walked away from what was, and into what would be. So you can't just say, oh, I'll just, I'll just say it. No, no, no. God's asking for a response, and he's asking you to respond by raising your hand. If you haven't raised your hand yet, and you say, I need to respond, then raise your hand tonight. Is there anybody else? Yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see that. Yes. Yes. Thank you Lord. You can put your hands down. If you raised your hand tonight, then what I'm going to ask tonight is that you just repeat this prayer after me. And what this what this prayer means is not just some religious thing we do at altar calls and what we're No, no, no. What these words mean is again, confession is powerless without belief. Then you're just saying empty words. So tonight, you're not committing to me. You're not doing it for me. You're doing it because you're saying, you're looking at Jesus who's right in front of you. And you're saying it to Him because you're, 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 you're creating verbal affirmation of what's going on on the inside of you that God is doing. So if you raised your hand tonight and you're saying, yes, this is me, then repeat this prayer after me. and Say, dear Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for you calling me out. Father, I thank You for Jesus. And I value Him above all else. And I hear You calling me into deeper places with You. So Father, right now, despite my circumstance, I let go of me I let go of my mistakes, and I commit to you, and I say, yes Lord, I am willing, yes Lord, I am willing, and I am committed, I'm all in, and I'm all yours, in Jesus' name, amen.